a sage when you walked in Cause I have no idea where you've been What kind of energy you conjuring What kind of spells you be casting I lit a sage when you walked in Cause I have no idea where you've been What kind of energy you conjuring What kind of spells you be casting Oh, I was like trying not to burp. So. <laughs> Let it out, girl. Let it out. Free yourself. Ah, welcome to Cheers and Queers. Welcome to Cheers and Queers, a boozy podcast about black queer life. I'm Ishoke. And I'm Kiria Traber. And we're here, cheersing while being queer. <laughs> we are. We are. <laughs> So first things first, we got a Twitter. Hey, we on the come up, y'all. We got a real ass Twitter. It's here. You can follow it. It is our magical handle. Cheers, the letter N, queers, and just follow it, and then we'll like put stuff on it, and then you can like talk to us, and it'll be great. It's great. It's great. You can share it with your friends, and then you can still also use the hashtag Cheers the letter N Queers as well. So you can you can do both. You could just like double double it up and just like be extra excited about us. We're into that. Team extra most. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, come come chat to us between shows on Twitter, and um, we're gonna try to you know post things that we like on there and share other folks and and all that good stuff. Yeah. But then we have something even more exciting for those who are in the Brooklyn, New York area or who might want to come take a trip for mm. President's Day weekend. You might not have plans yet. You might, what am I going to do to like, you know, Resist. celebrate this complicated <laughs> holiday Resist. in which all the presidents are trash? <laughs> You're going to come drink with us on Monday, February 19th at Star Bar. In- wait, 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 wait. Bushwick, Brooklyn. <laughs> now that we busted your eardrums, relax. Turn it, turn it back you up can again. Turn it, yeah. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for real, we're having a live show to celebrate the birth of Audrey Lord, who should have been president. Okay. 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 Actually, uh, we're going to talk about erotic being powerful and how it feeds us and nourishes us um, on the day to day. Like legit, erotic as power is my source text, my Bible. Mm-hmm. We're also going to have um, drinks drinks it's a bar so come and drink we're having drinking games communal drinks <laughs> um and dj samo on the ones and twos so after the recording you can you feel all um, loose toot it up one time if that's how you're feeling <laughs> <laughs> dance with the cutie that you saw across the room who's also into nerdy things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's how we get down it's true <laughs> and we'll have other exciting special guests as well which we'll announce in the coming episodes folks are gonna like slide in Okay, all the people who you've been like looking at in the Cheers and Queers hashtag are gonna come to the function. So you should also come to the function so y'all can look at each other in real life. And look, we know that there's some cuties out there in the audience. So we see y'all. So definitely do the thing where we buy the tickets and then you come see us and hang out with us and yeah. tell us. And we'll we'll link to the the ticket link in our in our show notes. Yeah, coming. There'll be a Facebook event. There'll be a tweet or yeah. so. Several. Or 12. <laughs> 12,000. <000. laughs> 
just wanna feel your hands all over my body right now. Oh, patience. Cool. Uh, you ready to check in? I'm ready to check in. Okay. So, our check in question. I'm not actually ready. Go on. <laughs> Our second question is, if you had to choose two people, right? They can be fictional people. Mm-hmm. They can be non-fictional people, two characters, whatever, um, who are in love. They have a relationship, any kind of relationship. It can be platonic. It can be non-platonic, whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you had a chance to experience the love of two people, who would those two people be? Okay, you have to go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, and your pronouns and your name. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Yishoke, my pronouns are she, her, and ma'am, only if you're nasty. And, um, okay, this is a complicated answer because I am a complicated ass motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, if you had asked me for most of my life, I would have said immediately off the back, like, without hesitation, Kirk and Spock. From Star Trek. That's such a good answer. Because they literally will bend time and space to get to each other. That's so real. Right? And like even Come back from the dead and whatever. Right. Literally come back from the dead, get out of the nexus, like all kinds of stuff to come back to each other. Right? And like even when we see Spock in the reboot, he's still talking about Kirk. Mm. Like he's still talking about the ways that the relationship that he had with Kirk changed his life Mm. and like made him into the man that he is when we see him at 100 whatever whatever years old Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they like their experience of each other right and like it's not always a peaceful experience right Right. so many people are like oh i love when relationships are always beautiful and magical nah kirk and spock be fighting (laughs) like they don't agree with each other (laughs) there's this whole thing about pawn far like (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's like fire. I love that. That's a fucking. It's that's a literary trope. device. It's the best trope. <laughs> but yeah, they love each other so much, and I I love that love. So that was like me pre Steven Universe, oh. and then Steven Universe came. Oh along. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and like spoilers for Steven Universe, I guess. So uh, Garnet, who everyone knows and love, everybody loves Garnet, right? Garnet is actually two gems, mm. Ruby and Sapphire, and Ruby and Sapphire love each other so much mm. that they choose to inhabit a body together. Like they're the, Im- literally Garnet is the embodiment of their love. Mm. And I think that's why she's my favorite character. Like she was my favorite character before we found out about like Ruby and Sapphire. But once we did, I was like, there are two queer gems living in the same body because they love each other so much that they that's the queerest to, thing like, that's it's ever happened. It's just gay, and I it's love it. So gay, <laughs> so gay, and I love it. All right, so that's my answer. Uh, it's a tie mm. between Ruby and Sapphire and Kirk and Spock. God, I cannot top that. I have no response that is in <laughs> any way gonna get there. Uh, I'm gonna give the most like middling answer. All the audience members are gonna be like, "What is she even? Who cares?" It's fine. It's fast fine. forward, fast forward for the next I don't know two minutes because this is gonna be. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, so Kyria, she, her, fam, if you're nasty, um, or if you just want to be my friend. Um, hey. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna be honest with you. I I did not like 
I heard this question in advance and I was like, that's so deep. I need to think about that. Didn't think about it. Um, (laughs) So I'm struggling. I'm out here struggling. Um, Partially, though, I'm going to give a roundabout answer. I was asked like a year ago, a kind of similar question, kind of different. It was like, who is your like celebrity crush love, whatever, or like not not celebrity, but fictional character. And I really struggled with it. And then I came up with this like profound answer under the answer, which was like, oh, I don't feel that I that there are that there has been at least in the media that I can have like recently consumed. And I'll be I'll be honest, like I'm still lagging behind on like a lot of really good sci-fi, a lot of good fantasy and a lot of good comics where I think more of these things exist. Mm-hmm. But in the media that I have m- most readily consumed, there isn't really a character that embodies the genders that I'm excited about and also the love dynamics that I'm excited about. And that, that makes sense. That often like, you know, most of our mainstream media, right, you know, it still has, like, the the hero and damsel. And, like, I physically, like, I'm a femme, so, like, I f- I'm physically, like, and damsel-ish. But, like, I'm also, like, the hero. I'm a also Batman. I'm actually Batman. Actually? Um, so, like, I don't want to be all that. Um, and then... And then, but I, and I'm, and I'm like attracted also to the physicality of the hero. Like they're super sexy. Like I love muscles, whatever, but the like toxic masculinity is on like 11,000, right? So, which is why you need to watch Black Lightning because it's a whole. I'm so ready for Black Lightning. Black I can't lesbian. wait. I can't wait. Oh my God. It's just go find it. I'm going to find it. I just, I'll you send know, you the link. I'm busy, but I'm going to watch it. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm ready. I've been on Twitter being like, shush, I'm, I'm coming. Um, <laughs> so, so I haven't, and and then even in like lesbian relationships, it's often just like not the kind of queer that I like. I just haven't seen the kind of love. But then you know, of course, there are friendship dynamics that I think are really beautiful and powerful. I just can't think of any of them right now. So I'll get back to you on that. So my third answer is Gail and Oprah. Oh snap! Hmm. Okay, so my kind of answer is um, is like my life. It would have to be. A poly answer. Like, mm-hmm. there's times that I want to be like Jay Z and Beyonce on the run, mm-hmm. and there's times that I want to be like um, Michelle and Obama. You know, like super cute and clean cut. Um, They're so cute, right? Um, there's times that I want to be like, um, <laughs> um, like going back to Buffy. Like yes. I want to be like Buffy and Spike before the the like attempted the rape shit. because that was re- disgusting and ruined the whole thing for me. Damn it, Joss Whedon. Okay. Oh, and there's times I want to be like Buffy and Angel. Okay. You know, but like, but then there's times when I'm like, all of that is trash, and I just want to create my new relationship dynamics. So like, I it's this is a hard question for me because, you know, I I relate to a lot of characters on an individual level, but when mm-hmm. it comes to the romantic partnerships, I, it's hard for me mm-hmm. to see the kind of love that I want to create. That's real. Yeah. So there's my middling answer. That's not middling. That's really deep. Okay, thanks. Um, and I accept it. I will allow it. Thank you. <laughs> what are we drinking? What are we drinking? So this whole episode is about to be about money and shit. So the first thing that popped in my head was champagne. And then Ashoke was like, well, I talked to a sommelier recently, and I have some thoughts about that. So, Ashoke, why don't you share your thoughts? <laughs> so, okay, this all comes from, like, me being kind of, like, 
an asshole. And I don't love bubbles. Like, I don't love bubbles in my alcohol. I mean, they're not good for your body. Um, Even though they're natural bubbles. Like, I don't want them. No. And so I, like, was talking to the sommelier at um, the LGBT Kwanzaa celebration, which was lit. And she was telling me about the difference between, like, spumante and... Rizante and like all this other stuff and I was like wow can you come like teach us these things for our like femme wine club these are all words I do not know so Look, please teach okay, me okay so spumante is like the the bubbles like a lot of bubbles spumante like like yeah like spoon uh, <laughs> okay go on actually a five-year-old um and then fizante is lightly bubbling essentially that's what it means mm. um so it's like a little bit frizzy and so I was like, ooh. And she was like, we were only drinking Trader Joe's wine, mm. right? She was like, here's how you, like, you can drink any wine, right? Mm. It You can assess any wine. Any wine can be good. Okay. Depends on your palate. And so I was like, ooh, I definitely love Fizante. I definitely love, like, a lightly bubbling, not too sweet, whatever. So now when I go to wherever, Trader Joe's, because that's where I can afford, um, that's what I look for. And so I, I found this today. Um, I'm st- we're still working on the, like, Curie Choke balance of, like, uh, trying to find something that's in the middle. So this is called um, La Peña. Great name. Um, La Peña de España, to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a white wine. It's a white blend. So it's a Sauvignon Blanc, a Muscat, um, a Verdejo, which I have never had before. Come on with the Spanish accent. But it's really good. And a Chardonnay. So it's 25% of each. Mm. Um, it's great. great. So did your small say anything about blends? Because I don't know anything about wine. But like blends, I've been told, are like tacky. That That's some like, you know, anti-mixed shade. Like, I don't oh. know. It's like, that's <laughs> systematic oppression. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything is. Okay, cool. I don't know. I don't know. She didn't say anything about blends. Like, I was just like, this has all the types of wine that I like in it. It's good, y'all. It's good. It's <laughs> it's not too sweet. It's not too dry. Like, it's a really nice balance. It's just the right amount of bubbly. Like, I agree. I think this is a good choice. Yay. So, thank you. Trader Joe's Adventures. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so, previously on Cheers and Queers, we said, hey, tell us about economics, and uh, you did. You did. Some really deep, brilliant thoughts. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Y'all are mad smart. Seriously. Like, I'm, yeah. Come be on our podcast. Yeah. Some of y'all Except ha- that you are. <laughs> yes. You will be. Yes. Hey. Some of y'all have some very buttery voices, so okay. thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we like talk about what y'all think, I want to talk about what we think, mm-hmm. right? Because like we've spent a lot of time, like it just keeps coming up in yeah. every episode. We end up talking about like capitalism and money and economics. It's and all around that. us, it's the world we live in. We can't avoid it. So I think that like we each had some like thoughts, feelings, emotions, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I think the thought that I have the most often. And like these are two questions that I don't have the answers to, but that I think about a lot is what exists between socialism and capitalism, right? So like we talk a lot about like capitalism is bad and socialism is good, but like 
is it? Like, are those our only two options? Mm. Um, are there other things? Can we go another way? Um, and I guess, like, if we were to tear down capitalism tomorrow, mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> right. But nature abhors a vacuum. Yes. Something would arise to take that place, right? Because economics, economics is, like, not there for no reason economics is literally how we as social creatures have learned to interact and meet the needs of each other Mm -hmm. and ourselves so what would come what would rise to take the place of capitalism and how do we shape that arising Mm -hmm. um and i I don't i i don't know i don't know i'll be real (laughs) yeah no neither do i I, I it's I as soon as you say socialism though it, it piques my ears because of my my history which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. um which is deep y'all so my grandfather on my mother's side um so he was born in 1930 something something in Europe in Switzerland which is uh in Rheinex Switzerland which is right across the border from Germany um across Lake Constance um and if you don't know um the first and second world wars were um really really not just about like um nazism but also about socialism that socialism was a party that was as um tantalizing powerful interesting building momentum and um um movement um al- alongside the nazi party in germany and in russia and in the uk and all over it could have gone another way could have really gone another way and so his father, my great-grandfather, was a socialist. And so that was not like, oh, it's cute, you're a socialist. It was like back then it was like, you're a, oh, you're a socialist? You didn't tell everybody, and you were part of a movement, right? So that's my great-grandfather on my mother's side. My grandfather ended up being um, a socialist sympathizer who became a high-level manager at an oil company. Yeah, sit on that for a minute. I wish you guys could see <laughs> my confused face. Yeah, I wish so too. <laughs> um, and he literally gave money to socialist organizations to the day that he died, including when I joined one in college. Hey. And he he had actually shared an article from the organization that I was with at the time. It was like, these are the people I can get behind. I was like, Grandpa, I'm a part of that organization. He's like, great, I'm giving them money. I was like, Cool. <laughs> so, yes, I was a card-carrying socialist in college. Mm-hmm. My political education um, was deeply steeped in, like, Trotskyism and, you know, um, anti-Stalin. Don't worry. Not one of those. Um, but, like, super interested in the proletariat and, like, could talk about the Russian Revolution for, like, a couple hours if you want to do that with me, which you're not required to <laughs> We're not doing it. No, it's cool. But I, you know, I have some real serious, like, non-passing thoughts about socialism. And then I'm I'm not, I'm not not a socialist, but I'm not a card-carrying member of a socialist organization today. And there's reasons for that. So, like, yeah, I, I, it's complicated, right? I feel you. Like, is there something else? What does that look like? And one of the big things that pulled me away from socialism as a contemporary movement in the United States was its lack of acknowledgement and understanding and ability to talk about race. Which which is a historic shame, I'll tell you, because the Communist Party in America and the Black Liberation Movement in the early 20th century were unanimous. Like, not unanimous, but were coalition builders. They worked together. They were in collaboration. Hugely. And I really, 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 really wish people took more time to think about the ways in which the resistance has long been one of movements building 
together. Mm-hmm. And like very specifically when I'm thinking about um, types of types of economic systems that exist outside of capitalism, they are all, the thing they all have in common is this idea of cooperative yeah. economics. So things like firewall economics, a sharing economy. So when you get on... Um, Noir B&B, when you get on um, any sort of ride share, any sort of um, food sharing, mm-hmm. co-ops, all of those things are sh- what's called a shared economy. Um, there's democratic socialism, which is like very structured mm-hmm. capitalism, I think. And all of those things have in common this idea that people are working together in order to fulfill the needs, right? Yeah. And so for when I like really think about it, right, like... What is economics and why does it exist? And the reason economics exists is because it's literally a system that is meant to fulfill the needs of people. And so if I were to build an ideal economic system, it would be one where the needs of all people are being met. Mm -hmm. The needs of the non-human living organisms on this planet are also being met Mm. and they are not being harmed. Mm -hmm. And we are doing all of those things in a way that does not harm Mm -hmm. the physical planet that we inhabit. And so let's zoom all the way out, like high level. Let's just talk about like day to day. Because that's what we're like, you know, we get into this, you know, both Ishok and I, we're overly educated. Let's just be honest. We like like big words. But like... (laughs) This is not something that has to be abstract. In fact, it it necessarily should be more like, you know, daily conversation because it's it is about how we live our lives. So like zooming all the way out, it's mm-hmm. like you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. you're awake. Ta-da. What do you what do you need to do? You need to clean yourself, you need to feed yourself, you need to nourish yourself, and then you need to do something. Right. And so if we're talking about that economically, it's like, oh, where are where's your food coming from? Did you make it yourself? Are you farming outside of your back door? Or did you buy something from a store? Or are you getting it from a vendor who is set up right there and is making it for you? Like, those are different economies. Right. Or you're brushing your teeth, you're cleaning yourself. Where's the water coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it coming from a government? And where's it going to go? Right. And is it, exactly, is is that mediated by a government that has set up a system of water for you? Or are you bailing out water from the river and washing yourself? Those are different economies. And where does it go after? And where does it go after, right? Dirty water's a problem. <laughs> Dirty water is a huge problem that, you know, to, to give it credit capitalism allowed us to sort of get beyond some of the horrible and hard things of of feudalism and the systems that came before it right where you really were bailing out water and then like drinking the water that you washed in right Right. Right. but like today right like today so this is okay i'm gonna take a hard not a hard left but like a roundabout around the corner so come with me around the corner down the stairs out the back door for a minute We, we out here I want to talk about this conversation, you know, as a black person, Mm -hmm. you hear a lot like um, that we need to think about, you know, you hear you just, you know, iconically like down with the man, down with capitalism. And then you hear it in the same breath, support black business. Right. And some people say blackonomics. Right. And that makes me so itchy (laughs) because 
it it is a totally it's understanding something that is really deep in a very shallow way, which is oh okay, so we can acknowledge that the system we live in is funky, right? Like there's something about the way we buy things, make things, get things, need things, have to work hard all the time for things that doesn't quite work and is especially bad for black people. And so we should say down to that. And then, okay, well, if we support black people who are selling us things and hiring us, then it'll be okay. But that's actually not true. Newsflash. Black capitalism isn't going to save us. And I don't care what you say in my mentions. (laughs) But actually, though, because, like, you have to understand that capitalism in America was built because black people were commodity, were sold, were objects. We talked about, like, war like war capitalism, right? We talked about yeah. the violence of settler colonialism literally building. And Ebony talks about this, and you'll hear a clip from Ebony, hey, Ebony. a little bit later. Talks about like the... He is so cute. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little brother back up. Okay. Um, but Ebony talks about this and, 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 and the basis of it. And then we, you know, when we talked to Kane, you know, Kane talked about um, having to deal with like both misogyny and homophobia and racism and trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and... All of that is connected to like our history of uh, this country being built on literally our bodies being taking advantage of people's bodies, time being a commodity, right? right? So, like the theft of land. That's right. Right before land was a commodity, right? It was something that people lived with instead of lived on, right? Even the ling, like even our language, is like super, super invested. In this idea of ownership, yeah. So yes, I mean, you know, and we're we're shoving in a lot of a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas in this moment. But I think I think what we're trying to boil down to is that the way in which we think about you know what getting what we need and giving to others right now is really tied up with messed up ideas about ownership and about um, taking advantage of either land or people or animals or whatever in order to get what we need in this moment. So, like, mm-hmm. even if I want to get you a gift, I might, like, have to go buy a blood diamond, right? Or even if I want to, you know, have a business, I'm going to employ people and want to pay them less so that I can make more for my babies or whatever, right? So all of the ways in which we exchange with each other. So what we do in the here and now, before we have, like, destroyed capitalism and created this utopian society full of, you know, black queer cuties just hanging out all day, um, is we hey. we <laughs> develop all these side hustles. All these ways to work around it, all these ways to work through it, all these ways to sometimes just work with it as best we can without trying to hurt anybody. Just doing what we can to try to survive. Sal talks about that in his interview. He talks yeah. some really good skills about hustling as an artist. Mm-hmm, and some mm-hmm. of y'all who who uh, called in or uh, left voice memos or texts or whatever also talk about it. And yeah, so Candice talks a lot about this. She actually gave a sermon on Sunday and I was like yo Candace I need this yep. and she was talking about like we been had us when you go to church and somebody says well I need a ride home and everybody thinks about well am I going that person's way mm. and when at the end of the day everybody gets in somebody's car and everybody gets where they're going mm. and then the next week you got a slice of pie and somebody brought you some biscuits and this other person's gonna help your kid out with their homework, like that is cooperative economics, and that is there literally people existing breaking it down real simple in capitalism mm-hmm. without using the system, right? Right, and like so, cooperative econ- economics is something that Black folks 
we've been doing because right. for a long time we weren't allowed to participate right. in capitalism. And so we had to find workarounds. So we already like we generationally, ancestrally understand the ways that those things exist and the those things have been worked into our culture and the way that we do things. And we just have to like key into a little bit of it. A lot of you talked about that when you send in a voice memo or send us a message that your antidote to living under this capitalist system is love and community. Mm-hmm. And so we're really excited to feature all of your voices. So for the next, you know, however long you're going to hear from folks that listen to the show, folks that were on the show and hear a little bit more about how people are making do right now as what we got right now and maybe visions, sparkles, thoughts about what we might do in the future. Come on, imagine us into the future. Yes, Afrofuturism right here. (laughs) Just a taste. Guess what? What? We are an official affiliate of Universal FanCon. What? Legit. All right. So what's what's Universal <laughs> FanCon? Universal FanCon is a first year convention that will be taking place in Baltimore, Maryland from April 27th until April 29th. That's a whole last three days. Ooh, it's going to be lit. Um, we're going to be out here. I'm going to be cosplaying. At the Baltimore Convention Center. Um, and running around and doing all the things. And you'll get to like see people and do things and hang out with us. and Fan out, nerd out, blurred out. Is lit. So, how do you go? How do you go? Oh, my gosh. You can purchase your tickets on the Universal FanCon account. We will definitely have a link in our show notes. But when you get to the checkout, make sure you use our promo code, Gifted Sounds, all one word, case insensitive, for a 10% discount. What? 10% is lit. It's lit. So... Then what do you do, right? How do you share your excitement? You use the code and then you tweet us with the hashtag cheers, the letter N, queers. And fandom is universal to let us know that you just bought your tickets to come hang out with us for a really dope weekend in Baltimore. So go so buy stuff. Go buy stuff. Go to the uh, the link in our show notes and Use the promo code gifted sounds, all one word, and then tweet us with the hashtag cheers, the letter and queers, and fandom is universal to let us know that you're down to party. We'll see you guys there. I have always been a hustler, I think, since I was a preteen, really. I got my first job <laughs> babysitting, and I just remember always being really deliberate about um, finding money, trying to save money, um, trying to find ways to make money. I remember I used to make like bracelets and sell them at school. Um, I used to buy my own clothes, uh, steal my own clothes, (laughs) and some, like, a lot of this is born out of necessity, and I think it's just, it's carried on with me, um, today, even as I have a full-time job, I still have lots of, 
other ventures I do on the side to make money um, to pad my income. Hey, so I believe the question was, how do I survive in New York? Which is a great question because needing shelter is a real thing. Needing to pay bills is a real thing. And mental health is a real thing. And self-care is a real thing. So how do you survive in the most expensive city? I think three things. Um, community. And I'm not just talking about friends and family. I'm talking about even the relationships with the folks at, like, the... Um, deli, corner store, mom and pop shops, that plays a big role. Technology, I know that anything that I want, any discounts or anything that I don't already know of, I know I can get, find it online, um, which is just at a touch from my phone, that's it. Um, and uh, New York culture, I think, being raised in New York, you... Um, it's inevitable that you're going to have to learn how to survive if you are someone who is low income. Shit. Always strategizing. Always reworking the strategy. As a matter of fact, I was doing that on the train just before I got your text. Thinking about the best ways to game out the next six months. Especially as a freelancer slash artist slash service industry person. So, yeah. That and investing in relationships. Because that's the thing that we have. Um... For those of us who don't have as much material resource or don't have that handed down to us through generations, we have each other and we know how to do that shit. So, investing there. I'm always reassessing. So, somebody figure something out. Let me know. Uh, Okay, so I'm just going to go into it because I think about this a lot. Let's go. I think about this a lot. I'm ready. Um, So, I work a full-time job Mm -hmm. um, at, at an... I work a full-time job at a place. <laughs> Redacted. Uh, Got right. it. Um, and it's, it's, it's great for what it offers me. But um, I, it's, it's to- totally separate from my art practice. And I do that intentionally because I think that if I was working a creative position, mm. I wouldn't have that uh, creative energy to work on my own things mm. in my own time. Mm. Um, I also... I have gone back and forth between wanting to work part-time and wanting to work full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, growing up um, growing up income insecure like factors a lot into my decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can't willingly or I can't knowingly put myself in a position where I'm making less money than I currently am. It's just a mental block that I have. Um, and, and that has to do with, mm. like, growing up in scarce environments or whatever. Um, but um, I, I do work at um, an art school. Um, mm. And so I do um, take advantage of the resources mm. that that provides me. Um, so a lot of the equipment that I, I get to use for free, mm-hmm. um, I'm able to, like, have interns who help me with my projects, Yo. which is, like, so incredibly That's helpful. Huge. It's huge. And, and they're paid. Like, they get paid, which is, like, and it doesn't come out of my pocket. And that is, like, so, that has been, like, pivotal in my practice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What else? Oh, um, I I look for grants every, or opportunities, like, grants, fellowships, um, artist residencies. I look for them every month. And then I try to apply to at least one one a month. Um, Mm. Uh, so that's like 12 over the year and I'll maybe get like two. Wow. Like, but that's so disciplined. I, it's, you know, that's like the theory <laughs> in <laughs> practice. I, yeah. I apply to like maybe eight, 
Um, but that's like what works for me. Um, what else? I also have like, I save like all of like my application materials. Um, mm-hmm. and then I have like, um, different boilerplates. So like I'll have like a 150 word explanation. I'll have a 500 word explanation and, um, just pull from that. So when are you teaching the class on this? <laughs> like, so, wow. Are you going to run a workshop? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Like, I, I just, mean, I see let's it. call facilitate. Let's <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm like an expert. Period definitely has like the hustle down. But. I don't have it like <laughs> that though. Like, you're so, I'm, I'm taking budgeting workshops now. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and like, yeah, like yeah. In, income, outcome, whatever. Anyways, you, you were going to say more. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah. Oh, always ask for more. Like, yeah. in, in any capacity, because nobody is ever going to give you exactly what they can give you. There's always going to be, like, more money, more resources, more time that you could be asking for. Mm. Um, so always ask for See, more. See, these rich white people be like, don't leave anything on the table. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. But that makes more sense in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. And another, like, rely on your community. Like, nothing mm-hmm. that I do, I, I, I do because of myself. I do it because I have people looking over my applications. I have people helping me out with my budget. I have people, mm-hmm. like, helping me select my photos, etc. Like, um, all of those, like, all of those things are helping me. Um, and I, like, nothing that I have achieved, I have achieved on my own. I have achieved it because I have a strong community supporting me and who believes in, in the work that I do. That's so right. real. Yeah. And oh, I support them community. too. Yes. <laughs> Other side of that. Reciprocity. So the major challenge for the church, both then and now, is distinguishing between kind capitalism and cooperative economics. For example, the people of Jesus' time lived under an oppressive regime. They were taxed unfairly, their homes could be invaded, there were debt prisons, food was not safe, housing was not promised. So in order for these people to be truly free, they had to abandon capitalism. So I want to offer that black capitalism is not cooperative economics. Capitalism in blackface will not get us free. And as much as I love Beyonce's husband, Two billionaires is not better than one. We have to divest from our dependence to private property. We have to imagine a world where we are good stewards of the earth and no one owns it. After all, it's not ours to own. Buying black alone will not free us. Although, when I can spend my few coins, I like to keep it in the community. So cooperative economics is like this. After every Bible study or nighttime service at a neighborhood church, a pastor asks if anyone needs a ride home. People raise their hands and say, yes, I'm going to McDonough and Patchen. People in the congregation will assess if they're driving in that direction and will offer their car. There's no expectation that the person will be paid. The expectation is simply that all parties reach it to their respective destinations safely. So cooperative economics is about discerning who among us can do what. We take a living asset map and invite people to be responsible for the tasks most appropriate so look I think another thing I'm nerding out, speaking of Wall Street, is slavery. 
(laughs) And just that Wall Street is built on African literally, actually, the physical place. Yeah, Yeah, actually. Yeah, so that is, and I'm just, I'm reading about that and seeing a lot of parallels in the black community now Mm -hmm. um, and how we are continuously treated and just, you know, I feel like there's so many answers in slavery. Yeah. Anytime I'm confused. But that's what I mean about war capitalism, right? War capitalism allowed, so war capitalism could not have existed if slavery didn't exist, Mm. right? So war capitalism was enslaving people. Yeah. Enslaving people allowed for there to be more product, more product Mm -hmm. allowed for there to be a bigger market. More product with less expense. More product, Mm -hmm. less expense, right? right? So the expansion of private property, Mm -hmm. right? And the investment, quote unquote, of bodies, yeah, right? So like the investment into slaves, slaves being property, property being holding value. Yeah. Um, the violence comes in in that you have to enforce right. that kind of protection of private property, quote unquote. Right. right. You have to enforce holding the slaves. You have to enforce protecting the goods. You right. have to enforce shipping the goods, right? So we got the pirates. Mm. And we got the folks who were fighting off the pirates. Yeah. And both right. of those people get paid. Right. Right. Exactly. And so like war, war capitalism is where we like we are a direct we who exist in a Western capitalistic society are directly affected by the war capitalism that came out of England in the 1700s. Right. Yeah. When like when colonialism was first getting started, yes. that's like England allowed it to happen because Spain and France and other places Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. didn't have the sort of um, free market, Mm. soft free market, but still a free market that England had. And those things allowed for the types of colonialism that we saw and the types of, of the expanse of slavery that we saw in the speed in which it happened. Like all those things come directly from people wanting more private property. Right. For sure. Right. right. And it's I just cool. want to back it up in case people missed it. Like, when, in case you're not from New York or have, don't live here, when we say Wall Street is built on literal bodies, we're not, that's not a metaphor. That's not just being cute. Like, yeah. there are thousands of mm-hmm. African people mm-hmm. who lived in the area that is now known as Wall Street, that lived and died and buried their loved ones, Mm -hmm. and then people started building buildings on top of them. Mm -hmm. And many of them were excavated thanks to the activism of black elders in New York, Mm -hmm. and they were moved Mm -hmm. to the- The African burial grounds. African burial grounds, which is a museum, which kind of holds a lot of those Mm -hmm. um, literal remains and Mm -hmm. tries to like find as much story as they can. Mm but there are still bones that are just like Mm -hmm. under the ground. So like Mm -hmm. when you have people running this country into the ground by profiting on people's destitution, Mm -hmm. they're doing it literally walking over the bones of African people. And they don't know it. They don't care. They don't care. No memorial to it. It's, it's less that they don't know more that they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I resist that system by being happy with the things that I have. I've been able to settle down and look at the things in my life that are physical and the relationships and look at those as treasures that can be, I guess, taken better care of to to increase their value rather than having to continue to buy things and let those increase my value. Um, I've been reading this amazing book called The Minimalists, and I'm trying to get my roommate to read it too. (laughs) 
<laughs> but this book is really incredible. Um, one of my coworkers gave it to me, um, and I believe it's meant to go along with their other documentation, the uh, the Netflix uh, documentary that they have, as well as their um, website with, I think, live updates and things like that. And surprisingly, the minimalists describe a life that is not just about having less material things, but also having less stress in your interpersonal relationships. So I think that I resist the system by, like I said, cherishing the things that I do have and seeing their value and knowing that that's enough. So the way that I resist capitalism is by really engaging in black sci-fi um, and black sci-fi folks, like people who are really into Afrofuturism. Um, because I feel like for so long, my belief in the possibility of an alternative capitalism that were censoring black and queer folks felt like such a long shot because I couldn't, couldn't really see anything like that. Um, so reading Octavia, seeing Lauren Olamina build a new world for her people when all the systems that govern the world fail just gave me so much more access to the idea that I could be a world builder. And, and really since going down that whole rabbit hole of like black sci-fi, um, it's inspired me to take up studying like what were the past ways that people had been creating cooperatives or creating um, community that was centering our liberation and how can we be studying to do that now? Um, and for me, that's really the alternative to, to capitalism that I'm trying to see happen and make happen. As far as money goes, I feel like in the queer community, um, sometimes we come from a place of lack. Yeah. Sometimes we come from a place of not having. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is sliding scale. Mm -hmm. Everything is, you know, oh, pay what you want, which is cool and great. But we also need to make a living, and we, we do need to do, along with helping the community, we do need to help ourselves. If I cannot pay my rent, if I cannot... If I cannot pay for certain things, then I cannot service you the way that you need and want to be served. Uh -huh. So you need to pay right. the price that needs to, that I need. Because capitalism got us all fucked up, right? Exactly. And like we exist in a world where, although we understand the ills of capitalism and we understand that capitalism has created a space where we we are always coming from this this lack. Mm -hmm. um, mindset instead of a mindset of abundance like exactly. this idea that like we have everything we need we just have to find it it takes a while to get there and so this idea that as someone who is practicing a craft you are practicing this craft not from the goodness of your heart but from the understanding that this craft is going to be able to get you the things that you need to survive in a world that is run by capital mm -hmm. right yeah. right Right. I, Which in turn also helps me. Like, I cannot get a store if I cannot, you know, earn wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Go fund me. Wah, 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 wah. Okay. You know, it's like it's like, you know, I try to I try to keep things at a certain at a certain pace, but at the same time, look, you know, we have. So when I, I also had to change my attitude about money. I have money. Mm. I am not broke. Mm. Like there are certain words that I do not say to myself anymore. Mm -hmm. mm. And I'm I will say it is a testament that it has changed a lot of things in my mm. life. So my, what you're saying is you out here manifesting the things that you need from exactly. the world from your words? Exactly. Yes. Okay. 100%. I can relate to that. I, I feel like I had two sort of like complementary, but like seemingly contradictory, but ultimately complementary epiphanies in the last year. Mm -hmm. One is which that, um, so I come from working class background myself and um, 
also come from a family of artists. So like I've never pursued money first and foremost because I've been like, what is it? What even is that? I don't even know. Like dollar signs, like what? I don't, I have no <laughs> concepts. <laughs> um, but I realized that because most of the work that I do right now, which I love to change, but what I do right now is I work in institutions that are historically white. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that they value the dollar sign mm. above all else so that when they are limiting or or restricting the dollar sign attached to my name and my title, it is a testament to how they're valuing me. Right. So it doesn't matter what they say to me to my face or in some private closed-door meeting or even in some public Facebook post. Like, if it's not in your check, it don't matter. If it's not in my check, it don't matter because that's what they value. That's how they right. are structuring their institution. Right. They're structuring their institution around the value of the dollar. And right. if they truly value me, beyond their words, beyond their rhetoric, they truly value me, they're gonna put money behind me. And it was like this, like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, like I'm letting them exploit me because I'm taking their words because that's what I value in my close community. In our our community, that's what we value. But I shouldn't shouldn't understand them as having the same language. Right. Right, so that's one. Mm -hmm. One, and then number two is, I, while I do recognize capitalism, I do want that dollar sign from the people that owe it to me. And sometimes from my own people, if you have it, let's give it, let's support each other, right. let's understand the realities of where we live in. Space of abundance. And also, there are historic and ancestral ways of giving to one another that is not the same thing as come for free. Right, exactly. If we are actually having co-ops or true barter or true exchange, then we can sustain each other. But it's like, oh, whatever, come for free? Absolutely. We all gonna starve out here. Right. There's gonna be nobody left. And like, there is is so much power to be had in the idea that you and I can exist outside of capitalism because we have things that are not money. Mm-hmm. We, together, in this space right now, have and know and understand the world outside of what exists in our bank accounts and our wallets right now. Right. We have skills, we have knowledge, right. we have anecdotes, we have stories. And those things can drive us forward in the world without anybody having to hand nobody else, nobody's dollars. You don't gotta hit my Venmo, my PayPal, <laughs> or my Cash Me. Like, you just don't have to. Right, but it's a question of are willing are folks willing to exist in a space of abundance? Are folks willing to say, I don't have maybe I don't have the money, but I have the skill. Mm-hmm. I have this time. And can we be intentional? I have this exactly. energy and that I can give it. to you That's right. in exchange for the time or energy or skill or something that you are giving to me. Mm-hmm. Right, and a true exchange is more holy than anybody's money will ever be. Absolutely. Now, I've had people pay me for haircuts with food. Mm, that's I'll, real. I will buy you <laughs> $15 worth of groceries for the $15 that my haircut costs. There it is. Mm-hmm. And I've had that. And that's that, to me, is fine. Yeah. But when you're like, when you show up to sweat and ask me if you can come in free. Right. That's a disrespect to me. Right. You knew that the, you didn't even contact me beforehand. Right. You walked up to the party, came with a bunch of friends, and asked to, asked to get in free. That's not right. Mm. You mm. see, that's an abuse of my queer um, uh, sensitivity. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and I don't like that. That's not cool. We should not do that to each other because we have. Right. We do have. 
we're not we're you know we're not a community of lack Mm -hmm. you know we don't have to be there are some of us who are homeless and who don't have and i understand that but for those of us who do have yeah let's share it because when you share it it comes back around and you got to trust that Absolutely. that is coming when i Absolutely. any promoters parties that i've ever been to i have never ever asked them to get in free i've always paid their full price mm. but i've always had promoters be like hey it's a promoter thing it's like is it? what are you talking about <laughs> yeah like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to pay like if i come to the door and you're like yo king come on then I'm like, all right, fine. But I'm not going to just assume that it's my um, privilege mm. to get in, you know, for right. free. Yeah. So, you know, those are, there's just little things that we need to do as a community to kind of bring ourselves up. We don't have to be down. Right. We can be yeah. up. And that's what I'm all about, you know? All right. gentle with myself I think um you know especially when I've worked a day like a 14-hour day I'm I put a lot of intention into not being so hard on myself if I ate shitty that day or if I eat shitty the next day or if I want to just binge out on a tv show you know like stop trying to tell myself I have to be all of the things all of the time because that is such a capitalistic model of being that is not sustainable, um, especially if you're not at the top. So I guess the biggest thought for me that comes up when I think about those is how am I taking care of myself since I am forced to live within the system? Where are the ways that I can find my own personal comfort um, and help sustain comfort for my loved ones and my community. Just love. Love for self, love for relationships, love for life, and knowing that the most important thing is to be able to enjoy the things around you and not necessarily have to create, I guess, uh, a mansion. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't feel that that's something that you really, really want in your life. I think that uh, it's more important to create the, the home that you have of your friends and your, and your life and, like I said, your, your health and your well-being. It's time for the toast. Oh, time for the toast. After all that, I need a drink. <laughs> hey, uh, I hope you have a drink, you listener. Yes, you. Uh, what are, what would you like to toast to this week? Um, I think we should toast to what is making us feel rich right now. Mm. Okay, yeah. I'm into that. I'm into that. Uh, what's making me feel rich right now that I can say <laughs> to a couple thousand people? Um, I think community, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think that this, like, us asking for people to be on our podcast, mm-hmm. us having a podcast, like... Hell yeah. <laughs> me posting things and people are like, yo, I love that. And I'm like, I don't know you, <laughs> but hello. Yeah. <laughs> like, community is really holding 
me down and yeah. like to sort of go along with like Candace's idea of like who got us we do that's right um is 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 so yeah I like community is really making me have to walk the walk of abundance mm-hmm. as opposed to just like talking the mad smack about it yeah so yeah Yes, I co-signed all of the things that you said, and I would add or shift it. So I made, um, on the snow day we had a couple weeks ago. <laughs> that was a cute snow day. It was really cute. Um, I made a collage. So I just I just uh, quit one of, one of my day jobs. Hallelujah. Look, cheers to that. <laughs> cheers to that. Woo, that's <laughs> making me feel rich, let me tell you, because Woo. not having to work too hard for too little, that makes me feel way more rich. Mm-hmm. Abundance, okay? Um, but I'm like, what am I What am I about to do out here? I'm going freelance. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing all these things. Um, and how I'm doing all the things that I love, but like, how am I going to make money for my life? <laughs> so I made a collage of black women that are successful for doing what they do, not for some track that somebody else made, but yeah. for what they do. And some of our friends are on it, such as Erica Hart, <laughs> um, Girl. Adrian Marie Brown. Oh my God, Adrian. Hi, Adrian. And someone who should be our friend, um, someday Roxanne Gay and Solange should definitely be our friend. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And others. And so that is what I am feeling rich about right now is acknowledging that there are these women out here who are really doing that, that they they figured out that they could be successful in this crazy world that we live in by doing what they do and bringing people to them, bringing community to them by saying no to the people that need to be said no to Mm -hmm. as much as possible and by saying yes to themselves for being brave, taking risks, for taking their top off in the middle of a festival Mm -hmm. and suddenly becoming internationally known. actual superstar. Actual superstar. And that's that's making me feel really rich, the possibility of of being one of those women, of being among those stars. Mm. So I'm really excited for this year. Cheers to that. Cheers. Thanks, y'all. We love you. A lot. Yo, I'm really excited about the live show, Kiria. So am I. So am I. <laughs> Save the date. Cheers and queers. Live. We are going to be celebrating our goddess, Audrey Lord, And the day of her birth. Mm-hmm. On Monday, February 19th at 7 p.m. at Star Bar in Brooklyn, New York. So come through. Listen to some interviews, grab a drink, bring your friends. We're going to have some drinking games. There's going to be cuties. So many cuties. There's going to be me and Kyria. That's already two cuties. There you go. And there's going to be a lot more. <laughs> and there's going to be DJ Samo. So, like, come through. Come through to shake it after you listen to us wordsmith. Some wordsmiths about <laughs> words. <laughs> And there's going to be other very exciting guests that we'll announce as they arrive. But um, for now, save the date. Mark in your calendar. You busy Monday, February 19th at 7 p.m. because you're coming through to hang out with Cheers and Queers Live. Bring your friends. (laughs) So you can use the hashtag Cheers and Queers. So that's Cheers, the letter N, Queers. And the hashtag Pod In on Twitter, 
um, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. We now have a Twitter account. Same uh, letters. Cheers. The letter N queers. Um, Join the conversation. Tell your friends. uh, Come and talk to us. Tell us about the cuties you met. Tell us what you're drinking. Come get involved. If you also want to talk to us, you can leave us a cute review on iTunes. Come on with the purple app. Give us your comments. Give us how much you love us. And that way, other people who want to find this podcast can look us up. And don't just slide out the DMs, as cute as that is, and tell us one-on-one how great we are. We love Although that. we love the DMs. We do love that. But also tell everybody else. So <laughs> get on the iTunes app or the iTunes store and tell everyone why they should listen to this show. You can find the magical musicians who provided the music in this episode on the internet. So we've got B. Studwell, Boom Scat, and Abel Shifra. Uh, you can find B at bstudwell.com. You can find Boomscat at B-O-O-M-S-C-A-T, boomscat.com. And you can find Abel in the world. Yeah, he's out there. Um, but you should definitely look up all our musicians because they're dope. And we're a member of the Gifted Sounds Network. This episode was produced by Ashoke and myself, Kiria, with support from Lance John and edited by Giselle Hernandez. Hi, Giselle. Thanks, guys. Bye. I can handle it if you go there, baby, with me. Can you handle it if I go there, baby, with you? We gon' set it off, we gon' tear it up, baby, can you?